Praise the Lord. Say with me, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Well, in our Bible study last week, we kind of uh, moved around a little bit, bounced around a little bit, but we, our theme we're talking about, the theme that we have is the theme of character, the word character, dealing with that, and we started out with scriptures describing the Lord as perfect in character. If you'll remember that, you can grab your, maybe your notes from last time, we'll hook on to it. Let me get my coffee down here close. Um, Deuteronomy 32, 4 said, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Psalms 18.30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Uh, the living Bible for that verse says, what a God he is. How perfect in every way. All his promises prove true. He's a shield for everyone who hides behind him. Amen. So our Lord perfect in character. Then we begin to, we looked at other things in the scripture. The scriptures tell us in Ephesians 5 and verse 1 that we are supposed to be imitators of the Lord. Be ye therefore followers of the Lord, of God. Followers, following as dear children. Another place it says we are to be holy as he is holy. Wow. Another place it says to be perfect as he is perfect. Interesting. Um, which brings us to the place to have what in the world could the scriptures be meaning when it uses that word perfect as referring to us. I mean, we of all people, I know, I, I of all people along with God, I, I know my own imperfections, my own perspective, you know, my own eyes, my own understanding. I know my own shortcomings. I know of uh, some of them, and I know the Lord knows many more than I know. But um, what could it be? So uh, what could God be meaning by that? But the scriptures say to us, along those lines, in Hebrews 13, verse 20, it says, now the God of peace make you perfect, the word is you, in every good work to do his will. The God of peace make you perfect, perfect how? In every good work to do his will. In every good, he makes us perfect in every good work. Now watch this, how? Working in you that which is well-pleasing to him. Somebody say, working in us. Working in us. Yeah, he, he makes us perfect in our works for him. Working in us. Working, the Holy Spirit working inside us. Who is the perfect one? Working inside us. Well, what, is, what does God mean when he uses that word? Uh, it means to behold, nothing's missing. That's the way God wants to make us. Nothing's missing, complete, to fit just perfectly in place. Make a, a perfect fit. Hallelujah. You know, some of you who are, you know, you do carpentry or you do engineering or you do any kind of plumbing. You do, it's good when it fits just right, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of funky when it's a little off and you just got to squeeze it in there all crooked and you just want to kind of turn your head and forget just to fit just right don't you want to just fit just right in the kingdom of God yes. oh man I do to fit to fit just right 
The word means to mend or to fix or even to repair what is broken. That's the way God works in it. Fix us. Repair us. To put into the right order. To fully equip us. Adjust. To strengthen us. To finish. Without, it means to be without ethical corruption. Perfect. To be mature and a full age. Praise the Lord. So in God's perspective, you know, he knows what he's talking about when he says this. God is perfect. He's perfect in character, and he's working in us, in us, to make us as we should be. Praise the Lord. There was a, uh, an article by, I've read after this man, A.W. Uh, a. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R. Uh, he's quite a well-known writer uh, and teacher. And let me just read a couple of things that he said. I thought it was very good having to do with character. He described character as the excellence of moral being. As the excellence of gold is in its purity, and the excellence of art is in its beauty, so the excellence of man is his character. Amen. The excellence of man is his character. Descriptions such as people of character, men of principle, women of integrity, are assertions to, uh, of character. A lack of character would be moral deficiency. Persons lacking character tend to behave dishonestly, unethically, or uncharitably. No love. A person's character is the sum of his or, hers, his or her disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. Character, you know, write this one down. Character is influenced by your choices. Character is influenced by choice. For example, Daniel resolved not to devile himself. As a young man, you remember that in, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. When he was in Babylon, he, he, he decided, he chose not to defile himself. He chose to have godly character. So that godly character was an important step in formulating integrity in this young man's life. And then character, in turn, influenced his other choices. So he chose to have integrity, and then that integrity influenced the other choices, which helped him develop his character. The integrity, the Bible says in Proverbs 11 and 3, the integrity of the upright guides them. Then um, Tozer goes on to give four things, four quick things that helps a believer uh, develop godly character. Is it just me or is it ringing in here? Is, it, is this real loud, kind of ringing? Yeah. Okay. Um, four things. So if you're taking notes, maybe write these down. The first thing he gives is the controlling of our thoughts. To help us develop godly character, the controlling of our thoughts, the scripture would be Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, where that the Apostle Paul told us there, he says, whatever things are true, noble, what are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, any courage, any strength, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So the thoughts, controlling our thoughts, taking control, pulling down, you know, what was it Buddy Harrison used to say? He used to talk about stinking thinking, you know, and he, he had several messages on that. But just our thoughts coming back into line with God's word. And then the second thing he gives is practicing Christian virtues. I would call them uh, uh, more like Christian uh, disciplines, you know, spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. 
the scripture is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, but also for this very reason, give all diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. What are we doing here? Practicing these virtues. Practice. Practice. Number three, he says, guarding your heart. Guarding your heart. Of course, uh, one of the scriptures that comes immediately to mind would be Proverbs 4.23, where it says that we are to guard our hearts with all diligence, because out of it is the spring of life. All life springs up out of the inward man. Praise the Lord. So guarding our heart. And the fourth thing that he brings out is um, keeping good company. Keeping good company. And of course, that's scriptural too. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good Good habits. Good habits. Men and women of character set a good example for others to follow, and their godly reputation will be evident to all. Titus 2, verse 7 and 8. In all things, showing yourself to be a good or to be a pattern of good works. Praise the Lord. There's a challenge for us. In all things, we are to be an example, we are to be a pattern to others of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent um, may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about us. So, praise the Lord. Um, good suggestions, I think, uh, in our search to look at uh, developing excellence in godly character. The controlling of our thoughts the practicing of spiritual disciplines or Christian virtues, the guarding of our hearts. Guard what goes in there and what you let, what, what you let stay inside you. And then the keep surrounding yourself with the right people. Praise the Lord. It's important, isn't it? You, be, you become in a, lot, in, in a great degree somewhat like those that you surround yourself with. At least those things do. They come on you. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm going to take a little different approach. There's, I want to share with you some insights, things that I've collected. Uh, uh, I pulled out some of them, that, some of my notes, and some of the things I've collected over the years, trying to learn how to develop uh, godly character. We, we try that purposefully, right? You do try that. We try that. You have to do it on purpose. We try that purposefully. So uh, there, there were some things, maybe it'll bless you, and I'm certainly not saying that in any way, you know, uh, I've arrived at the measure of, of the statue of character that the Holy Spirit has even, you know, for me. But we're pressing for the mark, right? Praise God. So hopefully these will, these will um, uh, maybe they'll, they'll help you a little bit, okay? So insight number one. I'm going to give you five, six, seven, however much time I have. Uh, insight number one. And the first thing that I'd say, too, is you cannot pray away faulty character tendencies. You cannot pray away faulty character tendencies. We'd like to. Amen. We'd just like to. Every one of us knows the power of prayer. Every one of us has been in a prayer line where God did miracles for us, you know. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men availed much, or was it the Amplified says it makes great power available. We know the awesome power of prayer, but sometimes there are things in our lives that, that prayer is not intended to change. 
It's not its purpose to change. It helps us and moves us uh, into a position to where that we can begin to change. But things that are going on in our lives that are where we have faults uh, in character, uh, you're, you're not going to fix those in a prayer line. Can I have an amen or at least a nod? Y'all are awake, right? Amen. Sometimes I think as, as, as Christians, as believers, we'll get a word from the Lord. We get, a, uh, we get an indication from the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe we hear a message or some way God will talk to us or even convict us about something going on, a habit perhaps, or, um, you know, some issue that, that we have in, in our life, maybe an attitude that we're holding on to. We kind of know that to start when every time that it, you know, something comes up, it kind of, we get the little buzzer, you know what I mean? You get the, the red light goes off, but eh, it's okay, we just go on, you know? Sometimes it's, maybe it's a, a, some prejudice that we have, and is this deep-seated, uh, yeah, no, it's not right, but, you know, we just, we just kind of go on. hasn't caused me much pain yet, so sometimes pain is one, <laughs> one of the greatest motives to move people. Can I have an amen? All right. Anyway, we're, you know, there, there's a long list of things, but these unchristlike tendencies or practices, we, know, we may know them by the word, we may know them by the Holy Spirit, we may know we need to, to deal with them, but sometimes we, we don't deal with it. Or sometimes we truly commit them to prayer, and we pray to them, Lord, I won't be this way. Lord, just make me, make me different. You ever prayed that way? I bet you have. I have too. Lord, just make me different. Sometimes the Lord says, I'm not going to make you different. I'm going to give you the power to become different if you want to, but I'm not going to make you different. I've, had, I've heard people just praying for us, oh God, make us love the world. God's not going to make you love the world. He's already deposited his love in your heart, you know. I mean, he's, he's not going to make you. God, make me a witness. He's not going to make you a witness. He's always told you, I'll give you the Holy Ghost, and you'll be bold. You'll have power, you know. I mean, we pray for a lot of things for God to make us that, you know what I'm talking about here. So some of these things, these things that are inside us, and we'll commit them to prayer even. Or maybe we reach out to someone else. You know, join with me. Pray with me. And that's good. I'm not saying prayer is wrong. But sometimes I think we kind of deceive ourselves thinking that if we pray long enough about it or just throw it over on God, then we're going to miraculously be changed when um, all the time the truth of the matter is that for change to happen in areas of our character, we have to recognize what it is. We've got to acknowledge it. And we need to ask the Lord to help us. Yes, that's in prayer, that's petition. But then there's some action. Can you say action? There's some things you got to do. You, you have to move toward it. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, unchristlike character, character traits. I'm, I'm not talking about cultural things. We're not talking about, you know. Uh, preferences of people, those are all natural. Cultural things, they may not even be in the Bible, whether God cares for it or not. You know? Um, preferences. You know, Amy Vanderbilt's rules of etiquette are not necessarily in the Bible. That's not the kind of thing we're talking about as being a, you know, they chew with their mouth open or they, la 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 la. Those are not. But there are things, there are things 
that are unchristlike that God wants to help us change. Give you a, a few examples. Uh, for example, now these are things that are they're covered with scripture. Procrastination. Those are problems we have. People have procrastination. I am so glad Jesus didn't put off the cross to another day. If he had, wouldn't how much trouble we would have been in? How many times have we have we missed out on something really awesome that the Lord had for us because we we have this thing going on. We pray, we prayed about it. Oh Lord, just help me to not, you know, not be, you know, not procrastinate. And God says, I'll give you help, but there's something you have to do. Are you with me? All kinds of things. I thought of that one. I thought of a lack of self-control. These are Bible things. Self-control is fruit of the Spirit. God will give us self-control. Well, I, I want to do this, and I, and I, and I, but I just can't. Maybe God will just do a miracle and make me be more self-disciplined. He'll help us as when we petition him. But there's some things that he requires of us to do. We have to begin to exercise ourselves in self-control. There's a man part. Somebody say, a man part. Laziness is another one. That's a, that's a character flaw. That's covered in Scripture. God says you don't work, you don't eat. God, help me not be so lazy. Well, he'll help you, but he's not going to make you miraculously, uh, you know, a hard worker. Are you with me? Letting, letting things... Letting things depress you, Depre letting things depress you. I'm not talking about you got a uh, you know a physiological problem. I'm not talking about you got a chemical imbalance. You know, we're not talking about you got a brain injury. We're talking about letting things depress us. That's called worry. Casting the whole of your care over Him because He cares for you. He wants to take care of you. So that's we pray, but you cannot pray away that kind of a character flaw. It takes him to help us and then we to respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just throwing a lot of these out there. Being just rude or mean. Selfishness. Uncomely pride. Uncomely pride. Pride, being prideful. Being pessimistic. Those are things that we have to deal with by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, you know, um, prayer helps us ID them. Gossip. Stubbornness. Um, belligerence, being arrogant, being self-centered, quick-tempered. Those, uh, those are things we, God wants to help us change. Being untrustworthy. We have to change those things. We do it by faithfulness. Being vulgar, God, you know, he'll help you, but we have to change. 99.9% of the time, when you come to those kinds of things, the prayer line's not going to set us free. Or just praying, interceding, it's not going to set us free. But the encouraging part is that as we, as we petition the Lord when we do pray, and when it's sincere, sincere about a character excellence, Christian character, godly character, that God will help us. He will empower us if we'll take that step and walk with him and, 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 and ask for his help. Can I have an amen? amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. 
I'll move along. I said that one didn't go real big, but that's all right. Praise the Lord. Let's, let me give you another insight here. Uh, write this one down. Victorious living, by the way, which is a reflection of good, ex, more, uh, good Christian character. Victorious living. doesn't mean you don't have any problems, but it means you live victorious. Victorious living is found in your daily routine. Victorious living is going to be found in your daily routine. Uh, our character is a reflection of our daily routine. Our daily routine. Somebody who's um, spiritually sensitive, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, perhaps, or the grace of God, they could, they could take any one of us and look at our daily routine. And, and, and what we habitually do on a regular basis and they could predict pretty much who you are and what's going to happen in your life. Pretty much what kind of person you are, your character, and your future. Our daily routine is a predictor of where we're going. How many of us ever stopped every now and then and just said, just looked at what we did every day or every week or every month? Our routine habits. And ever just ask ourselves or ask the Lord, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this really the way I'm supposed to be doing? Is, am, am I really... Am I really doing what's going to get me to where I want to go? Or am I going someplace that I really don't want to end up? Your victory is found in your daily routine. Look at yourself. See what you're doing. You may, you may be perfect. I mean, you may be doing great. Maybe the Lord would say, you know, you need to adjust this. You're, 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 weighted, you're weighted over in a, a, another, another way. There's two ways that we can look at it as believers. Our life is a reflection of our routine, and our routine determines what we are going to experience in life. For example, when our, when our routine, our daily routine, our habits, our, our manner of life, when it begins to take on the characteristics of the world, when it's heavily weighted in the views of the world, when it's weighted in the activities of the world, when our thinking geared to the world, when our interests are mostly connected to things of this world, when, when we're mostly functioning in worldly systems, then our life and our living is going to be one of a natural nature. Have I put you to sleep yet? No, this is true. It's going to be one of a natural nature. Because what you're habitually doing is what you're going to get in life. Amen. It's a refl- it predicts your future. Now, if you take this on the other side, and if, if for example, your routine is centered on, on, on Christ, the love walk, loving people, serving people, thinking about something besides self, if it's centered on the life of faith, think about it. If, you're, if your daily routine is centered on God's, God's kingdom, 
his ways, his, his, his will, his word, his thoughts, if they're centered there, then you're living. Your living is going to be more spiritual. Your, your living is going to have supernatural functioning in it. It can't help it. It's just the way it is in life. It's the way it is between the believer and the unbeliever. It's the way it is between one who's sold out to God and one who's natural-minded. So it's a truism. It's a truism whether we think about it or not. In many ways, the development of who we really are or our character is determined by our daily routine. Who you really are. Amen. So as I said, question how long has it been since we just looked at our routine and asked ourselves, is this really what I should be doing every day? Is it really? And if the Lord says, well, yeah, mostly, but there again gets back to that. You can't pray it away. You have to change. You have to take an action. And then the Holy Spirit will give you power. I have a third insight. I have a third insight. It has to do with spiritual um, uh, excellence in character. Have you asked yourself lately who your assassins are? Did you hear what I said? Have you asked yourself who your assassins are? How many of you know that, that Satan has assigned assassins to take you out? Did you know that? Satan has assigned assassins to take, to take you out. Out. There are spirits, there are spirits. Some of them have come up through your lineage, through generations. Some of them have come up through your uh, allowing temptations to come into your life, listening. But there are assassins, there are spiritual forces that have been assigned to take you, to take you down, to destroy you, to steal. Amen. We all know that we have them, Scripture tells us that we do. We have them. Amen. But have you identified them? This is the important thing. We're talking about excellence and character. You have to identify who's, what Satan, who Satan has assigned to take you down. You have to identify that. And until you identify them, how are you going to avoid them? Amen? So, he's after your purpose, your mission. Your success. He's after our godliness, our prosperity, our health, our wellness. He's after the rob our faith. So let, let me take a look further. Who are our assassins? For every one of us, it's a little different. For some people, the assassin, the, the satanic assassin is pleasures. Oh, he just goes after them with that. And it just he knows that's their weak spot. He knows that there was, but he just wants to get you in his sights, get you in the crosshairs. Because if he can get you there and get you minded on that, he can draw you away. And the end result, hopefully, in his mind, will be sin. For some, you know, it may be, maybe it's money. Um, a love for money, usually that's the one we see. But for some people, it's spending money. It's spending money. It's being... Not being a steward of money, not having a concept. He's got there's an assassin to take you out, to destroy your, you know, the quality of your life. 
some it's just lust. This is why you see sometimes people who are so, man, they're just like, you just can't believe, you know, they just look so spiritual, la, 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 but they've never identified their assassins and they've never positioned themselves so that they can't be shot at. You know, when our politicians, um, uh, they're assassins in the natural for our, you know, I mean, they're always getting death threats. So what do they have to do? Uh, they have to be protected. They have to be positioned just right. And they don't place them in the place where they can be taken down. You understand? In the spirit, we have to, we've we got to understand there's a similar thing that's going on there. Uh, some people's there is this, um, addictions. Sometimes it's uh, self-pity. Self-pity. You ever thought that time never stops for you to have a time out for self-pity? It never stops. It gives you a chance for self-pity. All the time that you spend in self-pity, you've been stolen from. All that time is gone. It's gone forever. The thief who came to steal, kill, and destroy. No timeouts. No timeout. So here we have, have we, have we prayed? Let's, let's say, and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Lord, now in my life, what are the things that have been assigned to take me down? And be honest. People, feelings, self-pity, money, what is it? And whatever those are, whatever those are, you, you, you take them to God and you get strong in that and you learn how to put, put God between you and them. Put the word between you and them. Get yourself strong in there so that they cannot, they cannot take you out. What you do is you cover yourself with the blood. Cover yourself with the blood in those areas. If lust is a big deal, pornography, man, you know, the statistics are crazy. We don't talk about, oh, in church, and everybody stand up, yeah, I'm a pornographer. But the statistics are crazy in the evangelical church. People that, that's an assassin has been taken, uh, sent to take, take their spirituality and take their relationship with God down. So what do you do? You, you know, cover yourself with the blood. Praise the Lord. And then wisely position yourself at all times so that that enemy cannot take advantage of you. Praise the Lord. If, if you don't, you're going to be in constant danger of the one who's sworn to, um, to steal, kill, and destroy you. Okay, let me get more quickly here. Which one do I want to give you? Because I don't think I'll have time to finish. Okay, let me give you, uh, here's another insight. To maintain excellence in godly character, remember this. Boredom leads to sin. Boredom always leads to sin. You say, well, what do you mean by that? When, where there's no excitement, where there's no anticipation, when there's no sense of hope and expectancy um, about your purpose, not because God is boring, but because we haven't spent enough time with him and talked to him and let him start, keep us stirred up and keep, a, keep the vision bright, when those, when those things are not there, no expectation, 
then the flesh is always going to look for something. It's always going to look for something. Your flesh is always going to look for something. And unfortunately, if it's our flesh, because we haven't been, we, we haven't purposed ourselves to seek after the Lord and seek after his ways, the, the flesh, unfortunately, very often finds sin. Boredom uh, leads us to sin. So no vision, no objective. Um, and sometimes the sin is, you know, just hard, you know, it's just it's what we call benign. Is there such a thing as benign sin? It's not horrible, you know. I mean, you don't go rob a bank, kill a person, or go have adultery. We're not talking, but sometimes it could be, you know. Sometimes it could be, but sometimes it's, let's say it's more benign. Sometimes it might be that, you know, less obvious, like, uh, we, we just start living a life of, of uh, doubt and unbelief. You ever been there? Don't say yes, no. I know you have because all of us have. We just start living that way, doubt, you know, and we start wondering. I don't even know if, I don't believe a word that guy's preaching. I don't know, you know, we just, unbelief starts trying to creep in. Sometimes it's uh, fears. We start living these fears compromise oh yeah there's one um, unguarded thinking because boredom leads to sin you remember David remember the story of David and Bathsheba in the time of battle David was home and uh, he's on the roof bored what did he do his, he fed his boredom and his boredom took him to sin. Boredom will lead you to temptation. Temptation then acted upon equal sin. Are we right? Yeah, okay. There's many examples in the Bible. I, I was thinking this afternoon of the rich man, you know, uh, the rich man that God blessed so much and he, he just filled up everything. Oh, he had so much crops, he had all the barns, you know, and everything was just so full. And he said, my Lord, what in the world am I going to do with all this stuff I've got? So he had this brilliant thought. I mean, he was just so blessed, so full. There wasn't anything else to do. I'll just tear my barns and I'll fill it all up with his stuff and I'll sit down and set my feet up. Take rest, soul. Just be happy. Lord says, you don't even know. You just don't understand. Your, your soul will be required of you tonight. You just don't know it's, you know. Samson was the same way. He just could not keep his mind on his purpose. He had a hard time. He was always just looking for something. And uh, he finally found something that brought him, brought him down. Which teaches us the lesson is that we, we better always be careful whose lap you lay your head in. Because it may not be the right lap. Amen? Amen? So, what do we do? Stir up yourself. Stir up, stir up, the, stir up your faith. St stir up the gift of God that is in you. Being bored in the Lord and in, in the Christian world, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. When we get bored in God, it's our fault. Yeah, it's our fault. God's not boring. Amen. When we spend time with Him, when we spend time with the Word, and we stir up ourselves, we stir up our faith, 
you know, praise the Lord. Uh, we begin to see what God is doing. God is doing something all the time. And, and you know, you say, well, I'm, I'm in some, well, I've got a good place in life. I've just come to this. My needs are met. I'm not, you know, uh, having to beg the Lord every month to pay my bills. Man, that's the time to challenge yourself right there. Challenge yourself. Find a need. See something, see some, something that needs to be fixed. I'm sure there's somebody needs something somewhere. There's somebody needs a meal. There's a church needs to be built somewhere. I mean, hey, no time to be bored. Tell your neighbor, no time to be bored. All right, listen, I, I, I've got time for only maybe one more here. What do I want to give you? Hallelujah. Well, let me just close with this. This, might, this is a, we're talking about developing excellence in godly character. <clears throat> just, just a little simple one. To just uh, make this a practice that wherever you are, wherever God has put you, be there 100%. Be there 100%. Wherever God has put you, whatever God has got you doing, you know, be there with all of your, all of your heart. Uh, a lot of times we we may even we may be right where the Lord has us. You know, we we've got no problems. We're not out of His will and so forth. Uh, things are okay. But you ever been where you know you've gone to the Lord and, and you know, yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I haven't disobeyed the Lord. I'm where I ought to be. I'm doing what I ought to be. But the truth is, you know, in your heart you're not giving him 100%. Has anybody ever been there? You're not, you're not really giving. You're there, but you're not there 100%. You know? Uh, yeah, you're doing things, but you're not, you're not doing the best that you could. Uh, I've, I've had, uh, of course, before I was in the ministry, I worked in the secular uh, world for a lot of years. Eleven, I know, eleven years after I got out of school, eleven years, and uh, there were days. I have to be honest about myself. There were days that I would go to my employer, and I, I always wanted to do my best. But there'd be days that I maybe gave him ninety percent. That wasn't right, but I did it. There were other, you know, there were workers all around me that. Uh, they were there, but they weren't there many times. <laughs> they were there. Yeah, you know, they're physical, but they weren't productive. So this, my admonition, I don't want to bore you all with this, but it, wherever God has placed you, whatever God has given you to do, do it with all your heart. Be there one hundred percent. You know, uh, don't let excuses pull you aside. Uh, be there on time. Be there early. Amen. Don't be always entertaining quitting. Don't always let, you know, somebody rubs you the wrong way. Every time, you know, something's 
Now, wherever you are for God, just be there. Let nothing move you from where God has you. And let him use you 100% to his glory. Somebody said one time that we should always let every day be a best shirt day. So you don't know what that means. But, you know, in the, in the old days, in the, in the old days, a man might only have two shirts or three shirts. And when it was a special day, when something, you know, important was going to go on or he had to meet somebody that was important, he took out his best shirt, you know, the one. He kept it pressed and ironed, looking good. Let every day be our best shirt day. Every day working for Jesus, every day being in the kingdom, I'll be a best shirt day. It's a special day. Amen? Let me close with these passages. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the scripture says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or what, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Colossians 3, 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. So we've got to live in life, eating and drinking. And whatever we're doing, do it to the glory. Whatever we do in our word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then in Peter's gospel, in, the first, in 1 Peter 4, 11, he says, if, if you speak, do it as one speaking the very words of God. Amen. If you serve, do it with all your strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the honor forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Every day, our best day, our best time, our best effort for Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. Praise God. Well, Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for a special time to just read scripture, talk about your word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us as we pursue being like Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are helping us to be complete, to be full, to be fitted, to be mature, to be grown-up Christians, to reflect the glory of God everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.